So you've come here for the truth. Well, we've got the truth and nothing but the truth. Here are your hosts, Robert A. Bianchi and David J. Bruno. Well, listen, you're on the show right now, though, UMTR Radio, so the Bianchi, Dave Bruno, and, and our guest that we have on there is a very astute, perceptive Thank you. And as he's talking about my outfit and how he likes the pocket square there, but you're not going to hear that on the radio at 1030, <laughs> um, but you can hear some great commentary that's going to come out because the podcast, though, with the video drops on Wednesdays here at Nothing But The Truth. Uh, Dave, we have another phenomenal uh, guest, really excited to do this interview. So why don't we make the introduction? Yeah, Kevin Marcus Miller went from unemployed in a coma to over 100 million in customer success, born in Seattle, Washington. He has consulted global corporations like Microsoft and Holland America before starting his own marketing company. He's a founder and CEO of All Approach, the LinkedIn marketing agency. He is also a 12-time sudden cardiac arrest survivor. And this is a story about discipline. This is a story about resilience. And I've heard him before, and that is why I had to reach out to Kevin and get him on the show Kevin, thank you for coming on the show, and I can't wait for this interview. Hey, thank you for that, man. I felt that in my felt that in my bones. Not gonna lie, man. It's it's anytime someone says the cardiac arrest thing, I have to remember and pinch myself. That's actually me. You know what I mean? It's like really wild to think about. I'm that young, and that's happened to me. So thank you for acknowledging that. Thank you. Let's yeah. start there. Let's start there. If you could, just give us sure. an introduction. Give our audience an introduction to what you do and what you've been through. Yeah. Ugh. All right, man. Um, I'm 29 right now. And about four years ago, this was right around COVID time. So 2019, I was just learning how to navigate in the world. I was working at my first tech startup and I uh, got recruited to work in the marketing department at Microsoft. And so, you know, I'm a little stressed out, I'll be honest, <laughs> at this time in my life. And I said, you know, I really need to go play some basketball. That's like my happy place. So I decided, you know, I'll go shoot some hoops. I hadn't played in a while, so I was a little rusty. And uh, this is August 1st, 2019. And coming up the court, about three minutes in the game. And this had never happened to me before. There was never any kind of marker of this. But apparently what happened to me, because I don't remember actually, is I collapsed on that court. I was in a... um, induced coma for three days after that incident. Um, they performed CPR on me for 10 minutes. Um, I did not have oxygen go into my brain for quite some time. And when I woke up from that coma three days later, I had all functions of all of my limbs. My mind was still there, but I was left with this question of, wow, my, my life up until this point, I'm not really fulfilled with what I accomplished what I was capable of and what I felt like I should be in my life. I felt really stuck because I was unemployed in between gigs at Microsoft. Wasn't really finding my purpose. Wasn't feeling aligned, fulfilled. And I was just left in that hospital bed, man, looking around, not sure what to do with my life. And so that's, that's, that's part one of, of the story. Wow. Part one is inspirational. When you're sitting there and you're looking for the purpose, you're looking for the why, you're yeah. looking for the next step, what comes to you and, and how do you get to that place? 
scary part about this, honestly, guys, um, I'm not sure if I shared this too many times on other interviews, but I actually saw on the television screen when I woke up, there was a shooting in Texas that same week. And I thought that's what had happened to me. So I hadn't yet been briefed by a nurse what was going on and why I was there. So I didn't see a family member. I didn't understand what was happening. And I thought that's what was that was my life. Like I thought, oh, that's that was me in that shooting. And that's on the screen. And that's what happened to me. And um, then I quickly realized, oh, I'm not in Texas. <laughs> I'm in Washington, right? It's like, what's going on here? Okay. And then I saw my brother. And that moment, it's really fascinating. The moment I saw my brother, there was something that reconnected back in my brain. And I, I kind of like to think of it like I put hope back on my playlist. It felt like, okay, I have enough of the tools and, and familiarity in my life to feel like maybe I can actually get through this. Maybe this isn't like where my life ends and where I'm going to be stuck in this state. And I did have to learn how to... Um, walk again and and some other things like that and i just i just am so grateful for the people in my life at that time my mom my uh fiance at the time my brother who they just i i think they just couldn't handle me quitting if i'm being honest i don't think they could handle me quitting in that scenario because they were also hoping that they weren't going to quit and it was enough you know, it was enough of the right ingredients for me to get through that two weeks in that hospital and make it make it home. It's a, an amazing story. There's I can't even believe um, Dave and myself just got done giving TEDx talks. Mm. And uh, we've been talking about that a lot lately. And and mine was about um, uh, confessions at your death, uh, mm. the things that you'll be saying about your life. And this is from my experience as a homicide prosecutor, as well as an emergency medical technician. But um, and I'm starting to write a book and the first chapter, I, I went through four influencers in my life. And the first one was my mom. Um, and I think you're going to really relate to this. My mother was 18 years old, walking with a friend on her way to the beach, beautiful, healthy woman, um, and was struck by a drunk driver. Wow. Um, she was pronounced dead and given her last rites. And uh, in in a morgue, a, a, another doctor that was a young doctor was studying the process of rigor mortis, saw life signs and, and she lived. Um, she had a wow. walk again. It took her a year to her body was busted up in every way imaginable. Her pelvis was so destroyed. They told her she never had children. She had to. Um, but the reason I say that is because I heard in you, there was a, there was a pivot and there was mm -hmm. a pivot in her life. I think there's, I mean, she could explain it to me. Mm. I could see it in the lives of other people that I serviced as a, as an EMT, I see. Uh, there's, there's a clarity that occurs when you yeah. come to that. Talk to me about what that's like and how it can be a life altering thing in a positive way. It's, I like to call it the breaking point. So what, what kind <clears> of <throat> inspires that change or um, activation is more so for me, at least it's a feeling of there's nowhere else I can go right now other than where I'm at. So there's nothing worse that could happen to me. Mm. So I might as well actually do the things that scared me the most. And at that time, I was a songwriter in training and and that was like my passion. So I had been in a movie um, in 2016 where I wrote the soundtrack. And so it was a major feature film. It was in theaters and I felt pretty accomplished. And then I went on to do 75 different television shows as a composer. And I thought that was my identity. Right. I thought like, oh, that's who I am. Like, I'm 
I'm that guy. I'm the music guy. I'm successful. Da, da, da. And when I'm telling you, when I was sitting on that bed, I was like, I ain't, I ain't nothing. That's nothing. There, there's nothing. There's nothing. If I can get through this right now, there is nothing anyone could tell me that I can't do. Right. And then also self-esteem wise, there's nothing that can now, sh- you know, shock my confidence. Because before a lot of things could have shocked my confidence, you know, my salary, my job, my, all those things. But at that particular point, it was like, like you're saying, there's a mindset reframe. It's almost like your body, because my heart stopped. It's like my mindset also was reshocked, mm. recalibrated. It's like a new programming. And so I don't think it's optional. I just think that in that moment, um, it was almost like I was given a gift of clarity. Mm. Wow. So you, yeah, you get the clarity, but, but yeah. Kevin, it didn't stop there, right? You're a <laughs> sudden cardiac arrest survivor. I mean, this well, is yeah. a thing for you. Tell me more about that experience because it didn't stop there. You got right. clarity, you bounce back and it still continued to happen. Man, I remember being in the Microsoft hall, Red West, young, eager, right? Ready to go. I remember having my first uh, serious PTSD episode in the bathroom at Microsoft. And at the time, I didn't actually know what that was. So I thought I was actually going into cardiac arrest. And I didn't tell anybody because I was so ashamed and I didn't want people to start micromanaging my work. Oh, if I if I tell them that I have this thing going on, they're going to treat me different and they're going to coddle me and stuff like that. So as, as dangerous as that was, that was my life for the first year, right? So that first year, I wasn't telling anybody. I did not share this publicly online. Um, and I was living in that shame. And I was letting that shame eat me up. And the, the, the mantra I was giving myself at that time was, you'll feel better when you feel better. And sure enough, one day, I just felt better. And it was probably uh, a year later. I don't remember exactly what the catalyst was, but so, you know, I was doing lots of therapy and all kinds of things. And one day I just felt better in 2020. And I, I said, you know, I'm going to walk away from my nine to five and actually do the thing that scares me the most, which is go full time into a business with no parachute, no parachute, just go. But before, <laughs> so I did. Yeah. Before yeah. we get into the success you had, I, I, yeah. Yeah. And you're saying stuff. Um, my mother, when, when she would confront fear and she had PTSD too, back in the day mm. when she admit it and one and two, there wasn't really anybody to treat it. Right. Uh, but she always used to use this refrain when I was fearful of something or mm. you know, limiting thoughts, she would always say, and you know, it didn't resonate until me until I became a grown man. Um, there's no courage in the absence of fear. Mm. And I, I, you know, later in life realized what she was saying is that you can't be courageous unless you're fearful of something and confront it. Those who don't fear or those who I used to want to aspire to, to be the fearless, mm. really had no courage. They either Now I realize they're either insane or they're just not getting the situation. <laughs> it's like it hasn't activated yet, really, because the level of severity, like people don't quite understand a cardiac arrest is not a heart attack, y'all. It, it's the last stop before lights out, last stop. So you have to be fully resuscitated. If you don't understand that level of fear and it's over, you're not living present enough. Uh-huh. Yeah. Period. You and don't so, understand. So I love what you're saying there. Yeah. And so to continue to do what you're doing in the face of all that means you you must possess, as my mother would be here, she would be saying, 
uh, she'd be saying to you, Kevin, you have much courage to be able to do what you're doing when you have that level of fear and still are confronting. All right, Kevin, listen, we got to get to you on the other side with this. I know we got a million other questions. Of course, brother. <laughs> WMTR Radio is nothing but the truth of Bob Bianchi, Dave Bruno. We'll be right back. We're the Bianchi Law Group, a team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys. But here's the thing. He put himself in a box when he said... My Relied on by CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, law and crime and news leaders across the country for our criminal defense expertise. In a search warrant, you have to have probable cause that a crime's been committed and there's evidence in a particular place. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today. Welcome to WMTR Radio's But The Truth. We're here with Kevin Marcus and uh, talking about fear and talking about courage. And for those of you who have those limiting thoughts and those who have been through bad things, uh, pain is pain. We go through them, and there are two paths, I guess. It's either be a victim or a victor to it. Um, mm -hmm. And Kevin is a great example that they've. Yeah, without a doubt. Look, you made a decision in, in the <laughs> face of fear. You oh. jumped. You said it right there without yeah. a parachute in right. entrepreneurship, right? Starting up your own company. Right. So, what was that process in your mind, and why did you do that? <laughs> 100% fear. I'm not even going to front. 100% fear. The only reason I did that is because one, I had too much PTSD to walk around the office and I realized that I couldn't keep trying to get a job and doing that. I had to be honest with myself. No one wants to hire the guy that looks like he's, you know, the way I was looking at that time. And that was a really hard pill to swallow. Um, but when I put on my CEO hat now, I can see that really clearly like, oh, I was probably not the best person to hire at that particular moment. And so I realized I got to kind of by necessity do my own thing here. And I've always had these marketing skills as well as songwriting. And there was this deep connection I hadn't realized before, but songwriting is actually copywriting. I never connected the two because songwriting is actually the most prolific form and highest paid form of copywriting. So marketing. Right. So the songs we love, we sing, we memorize, you know, Michael Jackson, all these things, that is also a form of copywriting. And that is the skill set that I have mastered and been paid very well to do on these TV shows in the past. So I said, Oh, I'm a copywriter. I was just doing it in a different form, in a different environment. So that was what inspired me to say, Okay, I'm going to do business copywriting and LinkedIn. So writing people's LinkedIn profiles. And so I was doing that as well as websites. And one of my first big clients was the NAACP. So they heard my story and a, a friend of mine uh, referred me to, to do their website. And so I redesigned their entire website. And at that moment, I realized like, oh, this is this is kind of like playing basketball. <laughs> but I don't have to go into a cardiac arrest when I do this website, you know? <laughs> so that, well, yeah, that's I, what I did, you know? I want to keep you healthy because it's so funny you, you mentioned this because Dave and myself are talking about how we have to we have to up our LinkedIn game. And oh uh, yeah, <laughs> if you looked at it, you probably want to, you know, pass out. I don't know. Cause you know, there's it, it, look, I mean, talk to me about that in terms of your business. Cause you've, you've made some sure. incredible a uh, hundred million in customer success. Yeah. Uh, it is so hard to keep up. I think one of the problems that we have in particular, but mm -hmm. many people is we have so much content, but where do you put it in? Where sure. do you put it in? And then it's changing and it's really daunting for a person mm -hmm. doing a job or a business 
to keep up with it. But if you don't, you can be overrun by your competition. Talk to us about that. You know what I realized with all this stuff, especially social media. So there's two components to this. There's the social media side of the business and then the real business, like running a business, right? And you guys know this, but <clears throat> in order to get the most attention, you need to steal it. Mm. And that wasn't something I understood, right? And you can do it ethically or unethically, right? And I prefer to do it ethically. So I would actually pay influencers to talk about my heart story. And that would indirectly give me more business. Because if you think about it, no one wants to, to hire somebody just because they're good at copywriting. They want to talk to you because, oh, he knows how to tell a story and look at his story. That that was the differentiator right there. That was what was like, oh, this is somebody I want to hire and work with versus this is a business guy or a marketing guy and he's another one dime a dozen, right? So that that would give that advice. Yeah, for these old school guys that are out there, I mean, David went through an evolution, COVID becoming a very pivotal point Mm -hmm. uh, because I come from a father who's a 91-year-old attorney. Oh, wow. They're against any kind of marketing and, you know, they look at it as an anathema and that your success Mm -hmm. should speak for itself. And that would be great in a perfect world. But one of the coaches that we had during COVID uh, made a specific point with me where he said, you know, Bob, there's no honor in people not having eyeballs on all the great work. Mm. You guys are phenomenal at what you do. But if people can't see it, they're going to go to the person who's a better marketer, has better copyright people, who's going to give right. a worse product to a customer. So you have an obligation mm. on behalf of people to do this. Uh, it was really a pivotal moment for me. Does that make sense to you? 100%. Because if you think about it, copywriting, right? Songwriting, storytelling. But they try to confuse you with these big language terms, like ambiguous terms like uh, branding and UX. All that stuff boils down to making people feel. Mm. That's all it is. And if you can't make somebody feel in real life, you can't on social media. Wow. So that's the reason why we're here right now is because I made you guys feel something and say, hey, this is somebody I want to have on the show. And that's the beauty of what we're doing. That's that's the whole point of social media is meant to be social. So people, most people are posting Canva graphics and posting media, but they're not actually doing social media. Wow. Yeah, especially in LinkedIn. You're the specialist on LinkedIn, right? What is the key to connection in that community of corporate America professionals? What's the messaging that needs to be done in Mm. these posts? Pick if you're gonna yeah, this is this is difficult because I get a lot of people arguing about this one. So pick pick honestly if you're gonna be the the witty and quirky person that people smile and they want to be around, or pick the person that pick the avatar where people are going to respect and almost fear you. Not all the way, but we all know those influencers that are really, really big in the world. And we're like, man, I'll never be like them. They're huge. That's that's an avatar. We know that, right? Those big business professionals who we look at their posts and they have 10,000 likes on their posts, but they're not really saying anything special. They're just popular. So pick which one you're okay with. You're either going to be the guy people are like, oh, this guy's creative and quirky and funny. And he's not trying to be corporate. He's not trying to be what, you know, some people would call professional, but I wouldn't call it that. I just say, you're trying to be personable. I'm trying to be a human and connect and make somebody smile versus I'm trying to almost make someone feel jealous and like they're never going to reach my level. I just personally realize with my brand, I prefer people to feel and be connected to me and my story versus them trying to look up and say, oh, I'm never going to survive 12 cardiac arrest, so I shouldn't even try. Mm. Wow, That's not going to help anybody. 
So let me let me let me ask you then. You have helped so many customers, yeah, in, in an amazing way. Do you have a team of people? Is it just you? And and do you get to mm-hmm. know who your potential new client is, and then give them advice whether they want to be that really a more austere person, is my word, right. or more of the humorous person and more relatable? Do you do you flex, or are you kind of like this is my school of thought, and mm. if, if you don't feel that way, then go somewhere else. Mm. That's a great question. So because I had 12 cardiac arrests, right? I would say the business evolved almost 12 times, right? Because every time you wake up and you get shocked that violently, what people don't realize is it actually almost resets your entire nervous system. So imagine a computer getting shut off right now. You got to log back into the Zoom, right? That's what it's like when you have a cardiac arrest. So in business, right, I may have been really successful and done this particular lane or niche or had these customers, but then now you're in a recovery that's going to be nine months. And you, it wasn't planned either. So at one point I had 25 staff mm-hmm. and I realized this is not sustainable because I'm going to go into another cardiac arrest. And I didn't, I was at that you know particular time, I was actually three weeks away from hiring a COO. So I didn't quite reach. I was very frustrated with myself because I was following my SWOT analysis, doing what I'm supposed to do. But because of that cardiac arrest and the timing of it, I wasn't able to hire somebody to then manage all those 25 people fast enough. So that business model had to be repivoted. And that's where the whole comeback thing comes into play for my brand is because I'm forced to have these comebacks. I don't get to choose them. And and how did you come back from that? What did, what did you, how did you change your and repivot your business model? So the first business model was uh, websites like I was doing for uh, nonprofits and stuff like that. And so that, that was going well. And then I said, okay, uh, virtual assistant. So I would help people hire marketing assistants and people and I would manage those people. That's where we had the 25 staff. And then from there, uh, that was the last pivot, the biggest pivot to LinkedIn specifically. And so now I have two staff that I manage on a day to day and they're trained um, and they've been with me for three years. And so that gave me enough flexibility because basically what happens is we now have a hospital protocol. That was a really pivotal moment for me is being able to every time I have a cardiac arrest to go into the hospital. Okay, Nicole, this is what you need to do. Right, right, right. You're going to manage and do this. And it needs to be a system instead of everything being customized. Right, right. Wow. When you talk about setting up systems and processes, it's the first time I've ever heard of a hospital protocol. (laughs) Meaning your staff needs to know if the boss goes down. This is what you need to do. Get in the Asana and do this. Exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you know, this is uh, really amazing. I think there's a lot of business people out there that, would probably want to call you because I could tell you on our end, I mean, this marketing and how to go about it strategically in the right way is finding the right fit. Um, we've been down many paths of people mm-hmm. that just, did, you know, didn't work out. Uh, so I think that those experiences you have in the resiliency is, is uh, and your success is just um, amazing. So we, uh, you know, appreciate that. We're going to be having a career in law program uh, with young law students where we're going to be doing. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, five week module. Uh, we've done this before, and um, you know, I think I think one of the big problems with lawyers. I don't know if you've ever had a client that's. In I a- have, I have. They're the worst business people in the world. They're probably you know <laughs> dentists, doctors. You know, they're busy doing the job. They're busy guys. Yeah, yeah. 
And I think there's a lot of people that listen to our show that would be uh, very interested in what it is that you have to offer because many people are looking for somebody that can help them show how great they are and and how good it is a service they have to provide without having to dedicate their careers to marketing as opposed Mm. to care of people. So you're the kind of guy to go to, no? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is don't come to me if you want me to tell you to make 10 videos a day. <laughs> just, just be honest with yourself. You're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And that's not how we want to live. <laughs> All right. That's, All right. Kevin, right? Listen, where can they find you? Absolutely. Uh, KevinMarcusMiller.com. Um, and all my links are there as well. And uh, feel free. I always reply to folks as well who send me messages on LinkedIn. So if you need to get in touch with me, it's a great spot. Awesome. Kevin Marcus Miller. All right. Another my man. Truth with your host, Bob Bianchi, Dave Bruno, every Saturday at 1030 on the radio. Dave, where can they find the podcast? Nothing but the truth podcast.com new website coming. You could watch this interview on video. We're posting into YouTube. We're posting across all the podcast platforms. Nothing but the truth podcast.com is that place where you could find this interview and all the others. Kevin has been a pleasure, man. I, I had Thank expectations, you. but you've exceeded my expectations and I appreciate your time. Thank you. For Thank you. It's truth. Nice. Nice to meet you guys. At the Bianchi Law Group, our team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys specialize in criminal defense and domestic violence cases. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today.